Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Rob Brown, Al May, Reed Wilkins, Brendan Escott, all part of the second hour of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer with you, along with Brendan and Kellen Kennedy. The second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by World of Spas, aching after a long day. World of Spas offers tubs designed with your relief in mind. Rest, recover, and relax with World of Spas, Alberta's number one swim spa dealer. Visit worldofspas.com. You can reach us on the River Creek Resort Casino hotline, 780-496-0063, the River Creek Resort Casino. Excitement, bet on it. We got some lengthy text. We're going to get to uh, some of them, and they're very critical of the Oilers organization, but we'll get to some of those, time permitting, at about 6.20. Keep texting us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Get the new floors you always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue. Open Monday to Saturday. We're on Twitter at Oilers Now. Tweet me personally, Bob underscore Stoffer. Tweet Brendan at Brendan Escott. Brendan with two E's, Escott with two T's. Guests on Oilers Now receive gift cards to Japanese Village. Dawn! Thanks for swinging by. Now open for lunch at Edmonton South and West Edmonton Mall, an afternoon celebration for the census. Visit jvedmonton.ca. As we head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, and welcome back to the show, Rob Brown. Hello, Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing very good, Bob. How are you tonight? Good. I wanted to be talking about the upcoming game against the Carolina Hurricanes. Unfortunately, it's starting with a tweet this morning with uh, Kevin Weeks where he inferred that the Oilers might be potentially looking at trading Philip Broberg and then a report from Frank Cervelli saying that Darren Ferris uh, has permission to shop a deal and then Ryan Rashog saying uh, Ken Holland doesn't believe Ferris does and then Ferris saying that this is yet another illustration of some frustration with what's gone on with the two parties. I gotta ask you this, who represented you when you played? Who was your agent? Uh, I had a few. I started with Rick Curran, who was with Newport Sports with Bill Waters. Okay. I went to Donnie Meehan uh, for a number of years and I finished my career with uh, Rich Winter. So I, I had three of the, the, the big ones in, uh, in hockey when I was playing. So uh, agents are uh, very important for young players. Uh, they do the talking for you when you can't. We had Brian Lawton on the show, who, as you know, started Octagon's agency. It's one of the biggest agencies in the business. I got Leon Dreisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins of the Edmonton Oilers. And he said, yeah, you know, he was later a GM, but he was an agent first. He said he applied pressure on GMs all the time, asking uh, for permission to, uh, to create a, a different opportunity in a different organization. Did you ever have one of your representatives do that for you? Yeah, I did. Uh, when I was in Pittsburgh, I my first time around there, the first three years went very, very good. A new coach came in, Bob Johnson, who was a great coach and a wonderful person, um, but saw me differently with the organization than the previous coaches. And uh, we talked to, to the, the team, and they decided, yeah, it would probably be better for, for him to move on, and they were very good about it. Well, We'll move him by this date. If he's not moved by this date, we will wait till after Christmas because we want to allow him to have a good Christmas. I actually got traded in the window. They said it wasn't going to happen, but they threw, flew my family down to Hartford where I got traded to and and took care of me that way. So yeah, uh, GMs and coaches talk, or excuse me, GMs and agents talk a lot. Uh, I think if you do it in a respectful way, if you do it non-publicly, it it, it works out better. Um, I had when I got traded from Hartford to Chicago. Uh, uh, Eddie Johnson was the GM in Hartford, and he asked my agent, "Could you go public and ask to be traded? Because we don't want to trade Rob, but we we know that it's probably better for him to move on." 
and it'd be easier for a sell to, you know, to whatever public we have that if you guys make it public for us. So uh, it, it, it does happen. It happens way more often than any fans realize that uh, coach or GMs and, and agents talk and players ask to be moved. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, yeah, there you go. Well, that's, that's, that's interesting. Uh, what's your take on Philip Robert? Do we know what he is yet? I, I don't think so. I, I think certain players have had longer leashes than Broberg has had here. I don't think we've had that one stretch of give him 40, 50 games, 60 games, give him quality minutes, uh, give him confidence. I mean, we had a team this year that was really struggling to start with. And we talked a lot in our shows about accountability, about players, right. you know, if they're making the same mistake over and over again, there's got to be accountability. You sit a player down. And Evan Bouchard was the big one we talked about early. Now, it's worked out really well. He's playing a lot better right now. But his leash was a lot longer than a Philip Broberg. Philip Broberg made a mistake in a game, didn't get another shift after the game, and was down in the minors shortly after that. So um, I, I can see the frustration with Philip Broberg and his, and his agent uh, that they want to move on and try to play at the National Hockey League level. I think he's put in his time in the minors. Unfortunately for Philip, he's in an organization that right now doesn't have room for him. At this level, and the fact that the Oilers' defense has stayed fairly healthy, which is uncommon in the NHL. So I I have no issue with the Broberg camp wanting to move elsewhere. I just don't like anything being put out publicly. Yeah. Now, at some point, it might have to be if they we say, hey, this is what we want to do, and they say no. Well, then you have no choice. But, yeah, I, I got no problem with him wanting to play in the National Hockey League. I can tell you from experience, I played both in the NHL. And I've played in the minors. The NHL is way more fun. And if he feels he's capable of playing here and this isn't the, he's not getting the opportunity, then maybe it's best for him to move on. Now, the fairness to Bouchard, 43 and 40-point 40 seasons the last two years, he led all the defensemen in scoring last year in the playoffs. We know what he yeah, is. 100%. Yeah, he, 100%. I understand, but you're trying to explaining that to Broberg and his agent and right. saying, well, hey, wait a second. I'm, if, we're, if this is all about fairness, why didn't I get this kind of rope? I would Why even I, I would even argue Kulak and Darren A. Like Kulak's oh, had one hundred percent, and Bouchard's just easier to say because of how big a name he is here yeah. right. and what he can bring to the table, and the fact they're both around the same age and first round draft picks. So that's just comparable that way. But you're one hundred percent. It's anyone that I mean, the first twelve games of the season, you can make a, a, a blanket statement that a lot of those, if not all the players at some point deserved to deserved a, a little accountability. Yeah, yeah well, they were 2-9-1 and one in those first 12 games, and they're 7-3 and three since. Uh, all right, so just, just, just because we have some Bouchard haters out there, Rob, he's a top four defenseman all day, right? Oh, 100%. And you're seeing, since he simplified his game, what he's capable of doing. Now, he's never going to be, he's never going to win uh, defensive defenseman of the year. And there's still cracks in his game. Sure. And there's going to be things that are going to bug fans because it's easy to point out. Just like people will find things about Darnell Nurse that they don't like. But the, the, uh, the upside of what they're capable of doing, nobody on the Oilers can do what Evan Bouchard does offensively. Nobody can shoot it like he does. Nobody can uh, make that heads up play that he's capable of making. Now, I think Paul Coffey is helping him tremendously. Paul Coffey was a guy with incredible offensive instincts that at times defensively uh, weren't as good as his offensive instincts. But I, when, I, when I played, no one ever 
I remember when Brett Hall used to be talking, well, he's got to be better defensively. Well, no one ever told Bob Gainey he had to score 70 goals. So don't try to turn an offensive player into a complete defensive player. And don't ever try to make a guy who's a third or fourth liner into a goal scorer. There's a reason people are in the rules. Bouchard's a top four defenseman, but there are things that he needs to continue to work on because one of the reasons he wasn't able to play in the top two at their now nurse is because they are both too high event that it didn't work out very well for them. We're joined right now by Rob Brown. Rob, here we go. Yep. Uh, so let's pivot off of uh, Bouchard slash Broberg, and again, uh, we'll see where it all goes. Some there are, The Oilers have options. He's not playing right now in the NHL. Some might say the play for him is to go down to the minors and play 23 minutes a night, and away you go, and then at some point there will be an injury or something, and he comes back up at that time. Um, we've now had 10 games of, or nine games of Chris Knobloch being the head coach of this team. The Oilers are 6-3. and three. Their analytics suggested they were way better than 2-9-1 and one to begin with, in fairness to Jay Woodcroft. Do you see a difference in the way the Oilers are currently playing than the way they were playing before? Well, I see a difference, and again, it does, I'm not sure it's all on the coaching there's a difference. It was, they played terrible at the beginning of the year, and it wasn't on all on the coaching. They just, uh, things that were uncharacteristic of them. Uh, their star players were not good. Uh, their goaltending was, was awful a lot of the nights. Defensively, they made terrible mistakes. Now, I do believe that a new coach sometimes comes in, and there's that aha moment for the players. They're like, okay, wait a second. We liked the last coach, and look how bad we played for him. So they, you're going to start listening a little bit better. Because, okay, wait a sec, this new coach is coming in. He's actually saying a lot of the same things. So obviously, it's on us, and it's not on the coaching staff. But uh, the biggest thing is they, they look a little calmer. Uh, there's not the, the expectation if something goes wrong, it's going to snowball into a number of things going wrong. They're more confident. They have swagger again. Uh, part of it is I, I enjoy listening to coaches after games. And I enjoy listening to the way they talk and, and their demeanor. And Knobloch has a demeanor that is very uh, aw shucks and very, okay, well, here's what we did. Here's why we did it. I, I said it right from the beginning. He doesn't come in with an agenda. And a lot of coaches do. They come in, they, they have something they want to say, and you might ask them a question, but they're getting to what they want to say. Or some coaches come in and they're combative. You know what? I, I, I'm not happy, and I'm waiting for that first dumb question, and I'm going to go right back at you. Now, maybe Chris Knobloch still just so new to this that he hasn't become jaded uh, in his post, post-game media availabilities, but I do enjoy what, listening to him. And I think that's the kind of, if I play, that's the kind of presence I'd want on my bench. Somebody that is laid back that if things are going sideways, I look back and the coach, he doesn't seem worried. So why should I be worried? Did you ever play for a coach that was a little out of control sometimes? Yeah, I played for Mike Keenan. But yeah, I played for a coach who was a little out of control at times. I played for Daryl Sutter, who I don't know if he's ever out of control, but he, he uh, simmered angry many, many days. And I played for Ken Hitchcock, who, as you well, if you talk to any of the players that played for him still on the Edmonton Oilers, they still have the ringing of Hitch's voice in their ears when they go that to bed. Shri- so, that shrill voice. Come on, you I've heard that voice so many times in my it usually would have my name in it and a couple profanities tied yeah. into it. But, yeah, so I, have, but I, I think the, the, the one that was a little um, – you weren't always sure what you were getting was Mike Keenan. I think there was – I don't know if it was unhinged, 
But there was, uh, you looked, there's players that you played against, you looked at the side of your eyes, you're like, okay, I'm not sure about that guy. I think that's what it was like with Mike Keenan, too. When he would make a decision, you're like, I have no idea why he's doing that. But uh, it's fair, coaches, then I played for Bob Johnson, not for very long, but Bob Johnson, he had that same, you know, you'd, you'd lose 9-1, but he would tell you your goal was the nicest goal that was scored in that 9-1 loss. He was a very positive person, and as a player, that's what you liked. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Six-game homestand. The Edmonton Oilers, Rob, are playing the first three games against the teams that are right where Edmonton is in save percentage, which is not where you want to be. Bottom four in the NHL. Carolina's got the worst save percentage in the league. Uh, I think it's New Jersey's 31st, the Oilers are 30th, and Minnesota's 29th. That's Edmonton's next three opponents. Then Edmonton gets Chicago. They are currently 12th in goals four. It is my belief that the Oilers will be sixth, and here's where I mentioned to you, they're mere percentage points out of ninth. It is my belief the Oilers will be sixth after the six-game homestand. Do you think I'm completely out to lunch, or do you think there's a possibility? Well, I honestly, I don't know the stats, so I can't say it. You would know it better than me, but uh, the Oilers are playing better offensively, and they're, they're playing with swagger, and they're playing with confidence. And if you've got a team that's incredibly talented up front, like the Oilers are, and you've got them confident, then and you're playing a bunch of games on home ice, I do believe that they can score a lot of goals. And uh, I've I said it from day one. This Oilers team is making the playoffs, and I said it after they lost to San Jose. This team is going to make the playoffs. They're too good not to. Now they've made it a lot harder for themselves, but up front they are very, very good. And lately they're playing better defensively. So you combine the two things. you got a good offensive team that's starting to figure it out defensively. They're in, they're in every game. So, yeah, they, they're very capable by the end of the season being top three in the National Hockey League in goals for. They've got the two best players in the world and the best power play. So I'm looking forward to this homestand, and I'm really looking forward to tomorrow's game. I love Carolina as a team. I love the way they play. I love the talent that they have. Uh, they are. I still think they're underrated just because we don't know. They're not. You don't have Kucherov or Stamkos or Matthews or Marner. But Aho up front is such a fun player to watch play. And they just play the right way. they got a good coach. Uh, their goaltending will get figured out. I'm not sure when Freddie Anderson will be back. But this is a this is a good test for the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow. I watched part of the game, Carolina and Winnipeg. There was no competition. Carolina was the better team. They just ran into what we saw the other night, a very good goaltender in Winnipeg. All right, super stuff, Rob. We look forward to having you on uh, the uh, face-off show and then on the broadcast tomorrow night. Sounds good, Bob. That's your Inside the Game analyst, Rob Brown, at 620 at Edmonton. When we talk about the incredible staff at Brent Ridge Ford and the many long-term employees, with some retirements and expansion of the sales department, we welcome aboard Daniel, the Blackhawks fan, a Canucks fan, and Doug, who comes from Newfoundland, and, of course, Oilers fan Mike. That's more like it. They don't all cheer for the same team, but they're all committed to providing outstanding service. It's been part of Brent Ridge's Ford Presence Award for the last nine years in a row. You can reach out to Brent Ridge Ford, where cars cost less, in Wetaskiwin, 780-352-6048. Oh, we've got a whole series of texts coming up when we return on Oilers now. It's uh, 623 in Edmonton. The Oilers Now Injury Reports brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang of James H. Brown, proud supporters of the Edmonton Oilers, the Edmonton Elks, and the Alberta Golden Bears. All right, I promised you I was going to bang off some texts, and man, some of you put some time into it. Uh, This one comes to us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line from Eric. 
Bob, the Xavier Borgo pick has been an absolute disaster and is a horrible look for Holland and the entire management group. It was incredibly disappointing when they traded down and passed on Jesper Wallstadt. Now it looks flat out foolish. He's played 12 games and has a 2.03 goals against average and a 9.30 save save percentage in the American League. There's a reason he was touted so highly and Borgo wasn't. Wallstadt's ceiling is a franchise goaltender that will fill hockey's most important position for well over a decade. Borgo could be a decent complementary top six forward. Then there's the fact that you inferred uh, that Coffee was pushed. That this is what the texter says. You infer that Coffee was pushing for them to draft Wyatt Johnson. If they'd had him on the roster, they'd have the best group of forwards in the entire league. The Oilers' first round selections haven't been close to good enough since Holland arrived. Brandon Escott is with us. I have never inferred that Paul Coffey was pushing Edmonton to draft uh, Wyatt Johnson because at that time, Paul Coffey was not with the Oilers organization. He was with the Oilers organization until Ken Holland came aboard. Then he left the organization. Then he recircled into the Oilers organization in about February of 2022 when we saw him on the road again. The 2021 draft, the Dallas Stars had multiple calls into Paul Coffey. Three or four calls on Wyatt Johnson. I would have never heard this until I heard Wyatt Johnson on with 32 Thoughts with Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman, where he said Paul Coffey was the biggest influence on him making it to the National Hockey League. Only then, but I never, because Coffey was not pushing the Oilers to draft Johnson, because Coffey wasn't working for the Oilers at that time. Wallstatt? That one I found surprising. We worked that draft together, Brendan, and I was stunned that Borgo was the pick. I was stunned. I mean, I don't know what the relationship there was with the QMJHL. I agree, and I know that at the time in particular, Edmonton fans and maybe somewhere deep down myself alike was looking for the answer to the future and goal. We didn't have Stuart Skinner performing that way right. or this way at that time. We so thought, it seemed um, obvious to, uh, to me. Like Kosa or Wallstadt, they were both represented by, by the sports corporation out of Edmonton. Kosa went early to Detroit. Like fit, a, fit, fit, he went 15th, and, yeah. and and I'm telling you, if he'd been there, the Oilers would have been taken. So then Edmonton ended up moving down, and Minnesota got Wallstadt. And Borgo, I mean, we had... He's got two goals in the minors this year, man. He's not even on the first unit power play, which you can make an argument, damn it, he should be on the first unit power play. That's a fair argument to me make. They need to be playing this guy in every situation, and they'll say we've given him lots of opportunity at this stage of the game, when you don't get traction with your with your young prospects, criticism comes with the territory. In Holloway's case, fair to say it's just been injuries that have derailed him. That's strictly what it's been. I think so, too. And of all of these players, I mean, we've seen the most of him, but he seems to have the most NHL-ready skill set as well. This text comes in. Uh, it says, Bob, the Bouchard and or nurse haters need to remove their asses from the armchair manager positioning and relax back into being purely supportive fans for awesome collection of talent here. I got to tell you, I, I, like, I like nurse and Bouchard. I've always liked Bouchard. I'm not one of those guys that wants to jump all over Bouchard. There are a couple guys like that in town. They don't like skilled puck-moving defensemen. Oh, they're soft. They're soft. Well, guess what? When you have guys that can make plays with the puck, the forwards like it because they get up the ice quicker, and they can also make plays when they activate offensively, right? And as a rule of thumb, 
lots of coaches have said it over the years. See, when you're playing in their end, that is defense by offense, right? And I get it. They were leaking chances off the transition. They've done a better job, like both those players. Uh, Al May coming up. It's going to be feisty with Al because the Capitals are taking on some water. Reed Wilkins is going to slide by. But right now, off to a global news weather traffic update. James Dunn. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.